Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. We shall be brief in our comments about it. The verse I would like to cause you to think upon the most as we read through it would be the second verse. There was a holy temple in this world. David is speaking in some respects in prophecy of the temple his son would build. And it was in a particular location on a particular mountain. And it was that place that God, under the Old Testament, sought true worship. And David said in the second verse, I will worship toward thy holy temple. Solomon, in his dedicatory prayer of that beautiful house for the worship of God, said repeatedly, if we have sinned, or even in the dire circumstances that we have been taken captive into another land, if in that land we remember our sins and this holy place, though leveled to the ground, if we pray toward this holy place, hear thou in heaven and deliver us. And at the end of that prayer, the God of heaven said, I will put myself into this house, and if you pray toward this place, I will hear and will deliver you. And so I want you to understand these words. I will worship toward thy holy temple. It will serve our purpose as we come to John 4 in a few minutes. I will worship toward thy holy temple and, understood by ellipsis, I will praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Does that sound like the mercy and truth of Jacob? This is the loving kindness and truth because it's God's loving kindness that leads to us ever having his truth. And David had his truth. David was a prophet of God. David revealed so many things to us. And we can praise the Lord with him for that kindness. But David wanted to worship toward that holy place and praise God for his loving kindness toward him and for the truth that the Lord had shown him. And then he explains it this way. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Amen. Now that is a strong statement. I would like to explain it to you this way today before we read this psalm. It was just a few weeks ago where I led you in a study of a name above every name. And we looked into Exodus chapter 3 and saw our God revealing himself to Moses by the name, I am that I am. Tell them, I am sent you. And then in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 3, in our King James Bibles, we are told that that name, taken from its Hebrew consonants, pointed up with vowels in English, is Jehovah. And we saw the glorious name of God, Jehovah, on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago. That gift and that special privilege and that divine blessing was given to Moses. God did not reveal himself to David that way, nor did he reveal any new name of himself to David. What did God do to David that he didn't do to Moses? He made a promise and an oath and a covenant to him that his son... His seed would sit on the throne of God and rule over the kingdom of God 
forever and ever and ever. And that was a large part of the Word of the Lord and the Word of God and the truth and the loving kindness expressed to David. Because in David's particular life, God had not appeared to him in a burning bush. God had appeared to him through Nathan the prophet in his desire to build him a house. And God said, I'll build you a house. So when it says, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name, the thing in David's life that had been magnified was the promise of a perpetual son on the throne of God. And that had been lifted up in David's life above his name. The name had been lifted up above any such promise to Moses. And brethren, God deals with each of us individually and uniquely. And He has blessed us with some things that others have not seen. And we should be most thankful. But I hope that you'll understand the second verse a little bit as we read through this psalm. Stand with me as we read God's inspired and preserved words in the 138th psalm. Together. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answeredest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Amen and amen. You may be seated. We are the work of his own hands. Our church is the work of his own hands. And Lord, forsake it not. Very briefly, let me just point out a couple of things. Verse 1 and then verse 6. In verse 1, I'll praise thee with my whole heart. And I hope that is our ambition and desire today. Our whole heart is the Lord's to praise Him, to lift Him up, to exalt Him, to worship Him. That is what set David apart from other men. No two men are equal in their worship of God. We will all bear our own burdens. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 5. Every man shall bear his own burden. David was an exception. He was exceptional worshiper of God. And he tells us here why. It was his whole heart. The most important thing to David was not his wives. It was not his children. It was not his job. It was not his money. It was not his yard. It was not anything like that. It was the house of the Lord. One thing have I desired of the Lord, 
And that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Psalm 27 and verse 4. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. Are you ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ at all? Anywhere in any setting? The gods. These are not idols. These are the rulers. These are the princes. These are the judges of Israel. David wasn't ashamed one bit when he was before that kind of an illustrious audience to speak of the things of the Lord and to sing praise unto Him. I will stand up and be a musician though I be king. And though my wife, the daughter of King Saul, mock me and make fun of me, I will sing and praise before the gods. I am not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ in any setting. I hope that it's true of you. I hope it's true of me. I wish I could go back. I'll share this with you. I wish I could go back to the gods of Michigan National Bank of Detroit and praise and exalt him more than I did. That water is over the dam and you can't, cannot be caught again. And I exhort all of you young men, are you ashamed of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? You shouldn't be. Verse 6, though the Lord be high, and He is, He's very high, the Lord must humble Himself to behold the things that are in heaven. The Lord has to get down in humility to look at the angels that He has around Him because He is infinitely high. Though the Lord be high, and He is high, yet hath He respect unto the lowly. But the proud He knoweth afar off. Now there are three categories in this verse. There is the living God, there are the lowly, and there are the proud. And the proud he knows afar off. And do you know what he has said of them regarding the truth? Jesus Christ said, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, I thank thee that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent. Those are the proud that pride themselves on their academic achievements or their educational attainments. God has no interest in them. He only uses them like he uses Balaam's ass. The Lord can bring more wisdom out of a fisherman like Peter than he can out of anyone on Mars Hill in Athens, Greece. I want to be in that middle clause. Hath he respect unto the lowly? Yet hath he respect unto the lowly? Let us be the babes that Solomon prayed. O Lord, I'm a little child. I don't know how to go out or to come in. Give unto thy servant an understanding heart that he may know how he ought to lead this thy so great a people as Israel. That should be our prayer. Always. We are not ashamed to say that we are ugly sinners in a small band, a small band at that, that have nothing to offer anyone assembling in Greenville, seeking to follow the New Testament of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be lowly so that he will have respect unto us and open the word of God to us and continue to do so. He has done so. Let us be lowly about it. Because if it wasn't for His grace, we would be blindly worshiping the most stupid of idols that you can imagine if it weren't for His grace. But the proud He knoweth the far off. Let's never be lifted up in our knowledge in the Word of God. That does not mean we will be ashamed of it. And we will declare it boldly and we will earnestly contend for it. But we are nothing in and of ourselves without Him revealing it to us. We would not know it. He knows the difference between the lowly and the proud. Let's make ourselves the lowly and let He that is high have respect unto us. 
and open His Word to us. You know, He can speak the Word and you will see things in a verse or your pastor will see things in a verse that he's never seen before with the speaking of a Word. The Bible says where the Word of a king is, there is power. Well, that's very limited power when it's speaking of a natural king. But when it's speaking of a king of kings where there is His Word, there is great power. Let us be those lowly saints That does not mean we apologize. The Apostle Paul never apologized for truth when he stood before King Agrippa or Festus or Felix or anyone or or Caesar himself or the Sanhedrin of the Jewish rulers. But in our praying and in our fellowship with one another, let us humble ourselves and be little children. May God bless us with even more truth. Now I'd like to ask three brothers to come and read from selected portions of Scripture to... Prepare us before our, another song, and then we go to the preaching of God's Word. If you please come in this order. First, Brother Gerald Evans, then Brother Jeff Oley, and then Brother Frank. If you three gentlemen would come in that order, and may we pay good, close attention to the reading of God's Word. Uh, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 44 for the reading of a couple of verse, verses here and. Let's join our Lord God Jehovah for a few moments in ridicule, Amen. the worship of idols, and the making of images. Let me uh, set your mind and to kind of get a direction for what we're talking here before we read this from Isaiah 44. This is not addressed, as many of Isaiah's prophecies are, to Egypt or to Assyria or to Babylon or the Edomites or any other pagan nation, it is addressed to Jacob, to Israel, to Jeshurun, his upright, his chosen, his chosen. Uh, He's mocking and making fun of those that would take a tree and try to make a god out of it. And even bow down, you know, what's left of it after he cooked his meat, his flesh, and made a roast. Now he wants to take the rest of it and call it a God. It can't hear, it can't talk, it can't move. It's in the li- even in sometimes the likeness of a man. And the Lord says, there is no God except me. Amen. I've looked, I haven't found any. There's yes. none like me. So, you know, how foolish can you be? Amen. So that's what he's doing here. But let's remember the direction, as I said, as to who he's speaking to yes. here. He's not speaking to pagan nations here. He's speaking to Israel. Right. The church in the wilderness. Yes. I will read uh, verses 18 through 20. Consider these words. They have not known nor understood. Truth. For he hath shut their eyes that they cannot see. And their hearts that they cannot understand. And none, none considereth in his heart, neither is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned part of it in the fire. Yea, also I have baked bread upon the coals thereof. I've roasted flesh and eaten it. And shall I make the residue thereof an abomination? Shall I fall down to the stock of a tree? He feedeth on ashes. A deceived heart hath turned him aside. 
that he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? Amen. Amen. How deceived and how foolish. Again, I remind you, this is not to a pagan people or nation. This is to Israel. And he's talking about. And if we have idolatry, if we are, if we would consider ourselves idolaters, I would, I don't, I don't know how to say this without, I want to qualify it. That's not all bad. We have a way out. We can repent. We can, we can turn from those things. We can crush them. We can destroy them and pull down the high places. The, the good news about that is you cannot, you cannot be an idolater except you be of God's chosen people. Or the pagans are not considered idols. I mean, idolaters. They're their gods. They bow down to statues, Buddha, the Hindus, whatever statue or whatever image they bow down to. They're their gods. They're not idols to them. True. They're idols to us. And we're the only one that can have idols, whether they're images, whether they're in our garage, or on our, you know, our houses or whatever they are, or the things that are hidden in our heart. That's the idols that we need to be aware of. Because we're the only people that can be guilty of idolatry. The pagans can't be guilty of idolatry. They don't worship God to start with. How can they be guilty? Yes, they worship false gods. They are no gods at all. Paul tells us they are not idols at all. They are not gods at all. Why do we worry about them? You know, things sacrificed to them or whatever. But consider who we're talking about here. And if we being the only ones that can be idolaters, then or do we examine our hearts to make sure we're not deceived and we haven't hidden things and we don't have any images or any high places that we need to break down. And let us consider that today as we hear the word of God preached today and expounded upon. And I trust that we can all, we all know that we have a throne of grace and mercy that we can come to and repent if they are there. And I surely want to. And I pray that each and every one here will. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we know that you are the only true and living God. We see it not only in your words, but we know by evidence of the manifestation of your power throughout history and even in our own lives at times, Lord, that you are the only God that hears prayer and answers prayer. You are not moved by foolish situations and vain worldly situations, Lord, but you will prove yourself even in this world. Your glory shall go forth throughout all the earth. Lord, this day, our prayer and our petition to you is that you convict us by the power of your Holy Spirit, O Lord, if there be any idols, if there be any images that we have clung to or hung on to or any high places in our hearts and our lives, may we tear them down, may we crush and grind them to powder, O Lord, for your name's sake and for our profit and for and to exalt the name of Jesus Christ in all we do this day. Lord, forgive us our sins when we have hid, had those idols, those hidden things in our hearts that we have not uh, crucified, we have not mortified, we have not done away with, we have not overcome those things that we hold on to and being deceived by, Lord, let us with, as we ridicule these people that we have as an, uh, an example, Lord, let us remember our own state and let us look into our own hearts and let us beg. Lord, we do beg. We pray that you will cleanse us this day. Purify us, Lord. 
by the fire that only the power of the mighty God of heaven and the Holy Ghost can bring. Join us this day, Lord, in our worship and our offering up to you of praise and thanksgiving and prayer and the things that we have prepared for you today. And we pray, Lord, that you will be among us and be may our all our worship be acceptable to you. And may we praise and forever and ever exalt the name of Jesus Christ in all we do. Accept it now in the name of Jesus Christ, our glorious Savior. Amen. Amen. Please turn to Second Thessalonians 2. We're going to read verses 11. I'm going to read verse 11 through 15. Amen. These verses present an awesome, all-powerful, fearful, mind-controlling God that we must, we must praise, thank, beg to keep, and follow whatever truth He has given us. And if you don't like that or you think it's not fair, you're you're setting yourself out as a better man than Jacob. I sure don't want to do that. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 11. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Amen. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. Please open with me uh, to Second Timothy chapter four. Amen. I'd like to bring up a verse that uh, Newell brought up at the beginning of the service when we sang that first song. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. We do have a perfect and sure word and. Uh, I know it's preached here, and uh, the reason why I bring that that verse up that Newell brought up through that hymn is because I was a Catholic, and no, (laughs) yes, Uh, Catholicism teaches you that you are a son of God, but yet they tell you that you have to repent to a man. And so you really don't have a sure sure word of God because you're repenting to a man and you are not being forgiven of God. Therefore, they they are plucking you out of God's hand even though if you do belong to God, they just can't pluck you out of there, out of his hand because he has you in his hand. But I bring up this verse because I'm just grateful that I do have a sure and perfect word today. Amen. And because if it were not for that verse, I would not have left the Catholic Church maybe. 
because it was that that verse that told me that I was in the wrong place. But anyway, Second Timothy chapter four, verse one through four. This reading is uh, being charged to preach the word of God, the sure word. Amen. Right. Second Timothy chapter four. I charge thee therefore, brethren. I mean, sorry. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Yes. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. I thank the Lord for the truth and pray that he does bless his word to us today. Thank you, brothers for those readings and for your comments.